Welcome to the Inspire to Be Authentic podcast. I am your host, Matt Lansadel. Inspire to Be Authentic is a podcast where we converse with people who are living their most authentic lives. We get real with our guests and talk openly about how they live with courage to be themselves. We explore barriers they have overcome to be more authentic and aligned to their purpose. Today is episode number five, and I have a really awesome guest for you guys lined up. I always like to share a little bit about what you guys can expect to get out of today's podcast. Um, So today we're going to be breaking down the I am not good enough story. Uh, I know this is a very common theme for a lot of people. We all kind of come from that, that, that aspects or flavors of that story of not feeling good enough in our, in our, in ourselves. And and we're always on the journey of trying to change ourselves or heal ourselves. And I want to break that down with today's guest. Um, So today I have Amanda McFadden. Amanda is a single mom of two grown, amazing people. She has battled mental health issues, eating disorders, and a host of other self-hate based issues due to childhood sexual abuse and absorbing difficult energy in her life. She's in the field of social work and works with families in crisis to assist them in gaining skills to move towards a more authentic and true sense of self in, her, in their lives. Her next steps are to complete a master's program to further assist individuals in their healing and provide her with the opportunity to further her own healing. Amanda plans to travel and learn more about ways culture come together and support each other in healing and growth. Here is a journey of healing, growth. Hers is a, is, is a journey of healing, growth, and helping with no fixed destination. I, that bio is just so perfect because I, I always ask people, um, well, first, first off, welcome. <laughs> I'm getting ahead Thank of you. myself here. <laughs> um, I always ask people, my first question is always, what is your purpose? Who are you? But I feel like you just shared a lot of that in your bio. Your bio wasn't what are you? It wasn't full of the labels of who you are. It really was who are you? I would. Can you maybe just go into a little bit more detail about some of those things you touched on? Yeah. Um, I uh, initially I I became a mom very early. I got married. I you know went into the what culture kind of expected of me and was deeply unhappy. And it was amazing how once I kind of stripped away all of society's expectations around me, how I could start to really examine who I was and what I wanted and what that would look like in my life and, you know, all those kinds of things. And, and it's, I, I don't have a destination. I don't know where I'm going to end up. I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, I just, I know everything in my life is temporary and transitionary and I just keep moving and that's, that's what it's about. So yeah, it's been, it's been a, it's been a lot of deep learning. (laughs) What sort of expectations do you feel society put on you? Um, I think that personally, as a um, as a woman growing up in a sort of middle class white, you know, Ontario, um, the expectation was is that I would be a mother, that I would be a worker, that I would be a wife, that I would, you know, follow very specific um, goals around what I would do. And that part of that role in it, it meant that I would have to be just always sacrificing who I was. Yeah. Um, and as a person, that was kind of easy for me to fall into initially because I didn't want to dig deep into who I was because it just hurt too much. Mm. So by masking the pain with, you know, living up to everybody else's thing, standards and expectations, 
I could, I wasn't living my authentic self. I wasn't living anything near what I was or, you know, and the mask was firmly in place. Um, and that stopped me from being happy on any level. Um, it stopped me from really grasping and, and enjoying each moment for what it was. Yeah. Um, so once I, you know, started examining what that meant, I could start really looking at um, all those kinds of things. What expectations did I have for myself? What were the expectations that were put on me? Yeah. And when you talk about mask, um, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about unmasking shame. And that for me is my experience. Unmasking shame for me was unmasking perfectionism. Perfectionism was my mask. Um, what was the mask that you would closely identify with? I, I don't think there's one that I don't necessarily um, identify with. I, um, I sought perfection in my body um, through starving it and, and binging. I, I tried to think the way that everybody wanted to think the mainstream idea of things. I, you know, I, I always thought of my makeup that I started wearing very, very, very young um, as doing that. And even my sexuality and, you know, like hiding who, uh, who my, my bisexuality from society and, and my family and everybody as, as part of that. But I think at the root of all of it, it was a mask to not be in touch with my inner child or my inner self, my inner light. And so by doing all this, I was masking who I was at my core. Yeah. Um, a lot of people understand inner child and, and a lot of people don't. So for people that don't understand what inner child means, can you help them understand what that is? Yeah, for me, um, I, I, everyone has a slightly different thing. So for me, what it's represented is um, going through complex trauma at a very young age. Um, that core part of me sort of got locked away. So that five-year-old sort of hid. And then this sort of more external thing um, was what kind of took over. Um, so everyone has a different idea of what they sort of represent as an inner child. But it's, again, it's if you look at it as who your essence is, you know, that, that child who was playful and fun and, you know, had the, didn't have the ego in the way, didn't have any of those things. They could just express themselves and feel good and safe and comfortable. Yeah. I like that. And so how did, I have so many questions I want to ask you. How did, <laughs> how did you um, reconnect with that inner little girl or inner child, we'll call it. We don't even have to call it a gender, right? It can be just no, it's, that inner essence, yeah, that inner that energy. Inner, that inner energy, that light. Um, and I, I really, I see it as a light. Um, it's amazing because I started in therapy because I felt this stifling. I felt I didn't deserve to breathe. So when you don't feel you as a human being deserve breath, you know, you have to work forward from that. So I did a lot of work around, you know, um, drawing and, and art therapy and all that. And, and it has actually been this year. Um, I hated that inner light. I hated it. I wanted to destroy it. Um, I, you know, and because it was a part of me that um, I couldn't define, I couldn't do anything about. And it was actually this past month, um, I was meditating and I looked inside and I talked to her. Mm. And I, I do relate to her. I often say it's her because 
I have a pride. It's always an issue for me. Um, and she just broke into this huge light that I felt fill my soul. Mm. And I immediately started crying and it was, it was amazing. And I now have this dialogue with her and I feel like I want to protect her. I want to keep her safe. I want to, you know, and I feel like she has a trust in me now. Mm. Um, whereas before when I was doing all these things to hurt myself, she couldn't come out because she still needed to, to protect me from stuff. So it was quite, quite a thing. And so, I mean, it's still a journey. Um, but you know, once you can sort of even just picture what that light is inside of you and talk to it and nurture it and send it the positivity, which is, I mean, it's difficult to do. You often don't want to, but um, just being kind with yourself and, you know, you can do that. And sometimes it means spontaneously crying. And again, there is no shame in crying. Um, Just let it go, you know? I I literally just got like three sets of full body chills in, in that in that short blurb that you just had because like your story is so closely knitted to mine. I really do feel that and I feel so connected to your energy. And for those of you who don't know, Amanda and I connected through Instagram and she started commenting on some of my stuff and I started following her page and her posts every day when I was working through my process, I would read her post and her post was so aligned to where I was at. And I feel like she also had that same experience for me. We were basically writing for each other's energy body, right? We, I believe we all kind of are moving through life and we all kind of have these energy body or energy communities that we're connected to. And I feel like we're very connected in that same energy community. Um, so it's, I felt everything you just said there as, as, as close to, to my, as my home as possible, right. As, as I can. Um, I also too have struggled with some traumas in in my early development and, you know, growing up gay and struggling with my sexuality was also, you know, quite traumatic for me. Um, How did, I know, I know there's going to be lots of people that are listening to this that have struggled with abuse, whether that be sexual or physical or verbal or emotional or whatever that might be. How do you start to patch yourself back together after you experience something like that? One, I have one word. Breathe. Breathe. Yeah. Um, the damage is there. Um, it's for me, it, a lot of it has been about getting back into your body, um, allowing yourself to be in your body because your body, it's, it, it's a scary place. It's a scary place to feel these things and to feel the unknown and feel out of control and all of those kinds of things. And, and I find that, for me anyways, and, and usually what I talk to people about is, is just take a breath. Even if you can't look into yourself, even if you can just close your eyes and feel your breath come into your body mm-hmm. and go out of your body. Mm-hmm. And then you can work on feeling it go into your lungs and feeling it into your body and you know all that, that kind of stuff. And work on movement and you know all that kind of stuff will come with that um but it's it's when you've had an interruption of your normal development and and that can happen again at any point um you need to be able to go back in and find home and you know feel comfortable in yourself and feel safe again um and that's a big part of the process yeah 
I, I completely agree. And that's, I, my book is all about that. It's literally how to take the journey from your head back down into your heart. And I, and I encapsulate the heart as the whole body. The body is the experience of nature, right? We don't have control as much control as we think we have over the body. The body is owning its own process. And when we can surrender our mind to our body, we start to really return back to the truth of who we are. And that's the spiritual journey. That really is the spiritual journey. We all think that we're trying to find this enlightenment, but enlightenment really is just existence of, of our consciousness and our attention into our body. That's it. Yes. That's it. That's, that's the, that's That's the big profound experience that we're all trying to achieve is, but we're, we're looking upwards for it, but we're, we need to start looking downwards for it into, into our, our, our vessel right into the absolutely vessel. absolutely absolutely that it's key and and i think that you know when you start looking at addiction and all these different things people do so that they don't have to look inwards mm-hmm. right you you start looking at people who you know and it can be very small things like you know eating too much or you know watching tv or you know all these distractions that you create for yourself mm-hmm. so that you don't have to be aware of what's going on yeah. 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 You're like my twin. <laughs> we even talk similarly. It's hilarious. I'm, I'm so, I'm so happy that I've, that we've connected. It's so, it's so cool to have this mirror, you know, like I just kind of hear you talk and watch you talk. And I'm like, wow, like this is me in another human form. It's so cool. It's really, yeah. And it's, it's hard because when, um, as an empath and stuff, you are very careful about the energy. And, and I found that with you, it was like, immediately I was like oh <laughs> you know like this is weird so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's nice it is nice and you know it's, it's really cool when we start to do this work with ourselves we start to see the traits in ourselves that we accept and love about ourselves in others and just yes. as a trigger is a trait or a thing inside of ourselves that we don't accept about ourselves and other people mirror it back to us that's one side of the coin the other side of the coin is being mirrored back to you all that you love about yourself and I feel that right now. I feel that really cool connection with you that the, the work that you've done and, and the love that you now have for yourself, I also feel that mirrored back to me in, this, in the love that I'm cultivating for myself as well. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a process. I mean, I think that's the whole thing is, is that we work on that self-love. And, and part of that is looking at our traits that we may not like about ourselves, as you put it, the shadow work. Yeah. Um, and really looking at those things and saying, you know, this is who I am. This is part of who I am. I, and it's okay that if I don't really like that about myself, that's okay. It's, it's just all part of my package. And I'm just going to really work on, you know, manifesting those positive traits and, you know, making those negative traits ones that I'm aware of. Um, and if that if I start to go into them that I'm like, okay, that's not so good. I got to do that. Yeah. You know? So <clears throat> how do we do that? How do we, how do we, that's, I know that's the work, like that's the work is, is right there is, but how do, how did you do it? How did you get to a place where you could start to practice more love for yourself? Yeah. So for me, it's, again, it's the journey. I don't think there's, I think that if there's one thing I could pass along to the audiences is that this is a journey. This is being open to different experiences and growing and healing over time. There isn't a one quick fix for any of this. Um, but for me, this part of it, um, it's funny. I started with, um, I would look in the mirror every morning and I would pick out something that I liked about myself. Mm. Now this was difficult at first. Um, I like, I, cause my 
internal monologue had always been, I look in the mirror in the morning and go, oh, look at that, what, right? Um, so by turning that, it was like, oh, and very quickly I realized that my internal dialogue turned to something positive. When that fundamental shift occurred, I became aware of my thoughts. I became aware of what I was doing. I learned to slow down, to take a breath. Mm. Because again, it's, there's not, we feel this forced need to you know, do things quickly and speed things up. And, you know, but there's nothing wrong if you don't know, you know you're, you're feeling something in your body and you don't know what it is. Stop. Let your body tell you what's going on. Mm. Listen to it. Yeah. Feel what's there. It may be something that you have to say, okay, I'm going to really deal with this when I'm home and in a safe place. Or it may be something that's like, I don't feel good here and this isn't a good and safe environment for me to be in. Yeah. Um, and that's what you have to start doing. And I think for me, it's been along the path there. It's, it's literally been just stopping and thinking and feeling my way through it. Yeah. Not yeah. easy. <laughs> no. And, and what that brings up for me is, is this dichotomy between masculine and feminine and how each expresses its, its, its desire and, and need for healing. And for me, I was so over-identified with the masculine that I did, did, did. I, it was all about doing. What can I do to heal myself? And what I, I, I frame the masculine and the feminine as you know, masculine being more of the cause and feminine being more of the effect. Okay. And if we're always mm -hmm. causing, causing, causing this, this, this desire to change, it's great. It's the doing aspect of the human experience. But what ends up happening is we become out of balance and true healing happens in integration and integration happens in stillness, which is the, the effect, right? So we cause by doing, and then we affect by being in stillness. And that's what you're speaking to. Is that correct? Yeah. Being more in your body is, is slowing yourself down. Yeah. Yes. And listening. And, you know, um, it's, I, I find it fascinating that you, you use the masculine and feminine and, um, I've never, I've never related to, that within my body because feminine was bad, right? Feminine when you, when, when there's an abuse thing. So, um, I just looked at the energy. So if, if someone's not able to, you know, sort of look at it and say, you know, I'm feeling this and it's a masculine or identify what it is. If it's a doing thing, if it's an anger thing, if it's a, you know, an action type of a thing, or is it more of a path, you know, and identifying that. And if, if putting the masculine and feminine on it, yin and yang, whatever works for you yeah. is what you have to go with. And I totally, I agree with you 100% masculine and feminine in, is such a great way of just easily framing it because yeah. I think people really readily identify with those two. Definitely. Yeah. And I think a lot of the listeners are going to relate to the experience of repressing the feminine, whether it's masculine, masculine, homosexual represses feminine, masculine, um, heterosexual represses feminine and feminine represses feminine. And then you have feminism, yeah. which is more embracing feminism, but then rejection of some of masculine. Right. And it's, we were so out of, out of balance. So if you were to share some tips or, or some strategies on how you can start to embrace your feminine, what would you, what would you want to share? 
I, I, again, I think it goes back to listening. We all need different balances at different times. Mm -hmm. And if you are finding, if you look at things and you, and again, it's this self-awareness. If you can start to look at yourself and sort of say to yourself, oh, wait a minute, like I'm really, you know, in, in this direction, I'm very masculine. I'm very, you know, I've dated some women and their masculine energy was off the charts and, you know, they weren't aware of that. And I think that that's part of it is, is being aware of it and finding where that balance is for you. I think some people can be naturally a little bit more over to the masculine and some people can be a little bit more, you know, that spectrum is really yeah. there. But being aware of when you get to the either of the sides of the of the spectrum and that now we're into that unhealthy section we're into we don't have a balance we don't have you know that kind of stuff and and you may if you've been um sort of really into the masculine energy you may swing right into the feminine and then come back over so yeah. be aware just be you know start and i i'm a big proponent of journaling talk just write for 5 minutes free flowing write yeah. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm doing. This is, you know, and you'll be able to identify thought patterns and different things that, you know, will encompass the masculine or the feminine um, or a mask if you're, if you're putting up a mask um, and, and what that's going to look like in your life. But I, again, it goes back to that stop, breathe, mm. feel what's in your body, you know, um, and it doesn't have to take anything more. Three breaths changes the whole focus of your body. Mm -hmm. So just stopping. And I've done this. I've been literally, when things go, are upsetting, I will pull into a, well, this will go back, Tim Horton's parking lot. <laughs> and um, literally just stop, take three cleansing breaths, tell myself it's okay, you know, and then keep going. And that acceptance that things can go awry or things can go, you know, I can feel, you know, what I want to do and, and, and that kind of stuff. And, and part of, actually, this is a funny story. So to embrace my masculine energy, um, which was the very much the doing, yeah. um, I was having anger and I didn't know what to do with it because I was such a, you know, trying to keep everything. So to embrace that masculine energy and feel safe in it, I took an ax, I went into the woods, I chopped down this little tree, <laughs> and which is horrible. I know I've planted a million trees <clears throat> since then, but by doing that, I expressed that energy out yeah. and I could identify it. And while I was doing it, I could stop and feel that doing action, that masculine and then find the balance again. Yeah, I love that. And it's about release. And I, I think those are kind of the two aspects of, of healing is we have the allowance and we have the release. And I think what you're speaking of when you talk about connecting with the feminine is about allowance. And this is something within shadow work that I'm learning is how can I allow the experiences that I deem as undesirable to be present with me, therefore release them. Because when you allow something to be present, it releases. But when you don't, it resists and it persists, right? So yes. my experience has really been about allowing things to be. And if I, and this is a good, a good one for people that are struggling with anxiety out there because anxiety is a really, really pervasive um, experience and it takes over your whole body. And what happens when we have that experience rise up is we resist it. And when we tell the story of, I don't want this to be a part of my experience and we reject it, but simply 
acknowledging, like you're saying, acknowledge, become aware that, that you're, that you're currently in a state of anxiety and practice saying to yourself, I, I I'm just going to allow this to be here and just, yeah. just say, okay, okay. I surrender. I'm going to allow you to be here. And then all of a sudden it dissolves. It's the most fascinating yeah. phenomenon. Yes. And I, with being um, a single mom, there was a lot of times where there was a lot of anxiety and that was one of the, the things I would stop and I would say to myself, I have everything I need in this moment. Mm-hmm. And it just allowed me to say, sort of say, oh, okay, I don't need to worry about the next four moments. I can focus right where I am and say to myself, let that feeling of choking go away. Let that feeling of my heart rate that's, you know, um, your fingers and everything tingly um, and just focus on right now in this moment, I am fine. Mm -hmm. I am, am, you know, I am exactly where I'm supposed to be and, you know, I'm just going to let it go. And, you know, and then the next moment comes and you say to yourself, well, wait a minute, I still have everything I need in this moment. And by doing that, it's slowing down your brain. It's slowing down everything. And it allows you then to process and stop that big reaction of the anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. Um, Because anxiety at that level, it's, it's terrible. It's so debilitating. It's so debilitating. And so I think that, and especially now with, you know, all the distractions and all the, the illnesses going around and, you know, everything else and people, like again, Instagram, love it, hate it, in that people put up these photos of themselves and you know they try to put up this mask of who they are, and that causes so much anxiety. I agree. It so, causes dysmorphia too, because we when we're sharing that with the world, that's how we see ourselves in one side of ourselves, and we see ourselves in the other side of ourselves. And that that experience alone is very split. It becomes the shadow and the the light of who we yes. think we are, right? And what I'm trying to do with people with, with Inspired to be Authentic is create more congruency and more alignment by bringing that back together. So it's about befriending, yeah, exactly. It's about befriending <laughs> our shadow and, 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 yes. and inviting it back in, giving it permission to be part of our experience again and, yes. and reconciling with that. Yes. That's, that's the beauty of shadow work. And that's when we integrate that's when we align and that's when we step into all that we are. That's what authenticity is all about. Absolutely. Right? And you're Absolutely. such a perfect embodiment of that. Like you just even to be, I, I'm a huge believer in energy transmission. And I think people, when they, sh- when they do the work and they show up in the energy to which they stand in, other people feel that energy. We're all vibrating very similarly in, when we're in each other's experience. So if you can bring forth a very authentic energy you're going to share that with the people around you. And that's what this podcast actually is. It's a, it's an opportunity for me to invite people that are, that are transmitting beautiful energy into this world. So other people can absorb it. Absolutely. And I think that's, we need to be able to absorb it because I think we, we're around so much negativity and, and just, I mean, stress that we need opportunities to absorb this, you know, positive energy that's going to allow us to move in a direction and validate how we feel, validate Mm -hmm. what we're doing, validate, you know, the direction that we want to go in and, and that we are on a right path, that we're doing a good thing. And I think that's why it's, it's a wonderful opportunity that you've got this going that, you know, we can share this energy and share this with, you know, the population Mm -hmm. and everybody that needs it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a question Uh, for people that are struggling 
understanding or knowing who they are, right? We all can get caught up in the labels of what we are, but the who we are question for people that are struggling with that and they're not sure how to step into their authenticity because they're not quite sure who they are because they've been somebody else for so long. They've been trying to be somebody else for so long. How would you, how would you share with them on, on ways that they can start to become more connected to who the essence of who they are? Yeah, I struggled with this. Um, I, I really, really struggled with this and, um, I, I couldn't figure out, I mean, it was to the point of, um, if someone asked, what's your favorite color? I don't know. <laughs> what's your favorite food? I don't know. Yeah. Um, because I didn't know who I was. Okay. So what I, I did, and I can only speak to what has worked for me because again, that's, that's my main knowledge base with this one is, is I started to look at what made me happy. Mm. I started to look at my feelings when I was doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me very quickly to feeling a purpose and feeling that, you know, my role as this entity is as a helper. That is my role. Um, and it's not helping to the point where I'm not helping myself because it is, I'm helping me and I'm helping them. Mm. Um, but that is, is my role. And, and I've started to really look at, you know, who I am and what makes me happy. And, you know, um, went through for a walk in the woods and I started doing this funny little skip and I thought there's that little person inside that wants to giggle. And I knew I had found part of who I am and where I belong and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But again, it's, it's paying attention. How do I feel in this space? How do I feel around these people? How, you know, when I'm doing this activity and again, I took it on that I wanted to do a new activity once a month. And I signed up for dance classes. I signed up for yoga, different kinds of yoga. I signed up for meditation classes. I, you know, all free stuff that, you know, doesn't cost anything. Anybody can do them. And by doing this, I connected with people that were Mm like-minded. I learned what I do and don't like. And that became really apparent very quickly. Um, But where there's there is growth. So when you start paying attention to who you are and what makes you happy and, and who is behind that mask, you're going to find them. It's just a matter of, you've got to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's that was such a perfect answer. Um, what really stood out for me is connecting to that part of you. It's, it's going to be attached to happiness. It's going to be attached to joy and it's always speaking to you. But what ends up happening is we get so over-identified with mind, with our ego, with the, with how we want others to see us. And that's, that's all ego structure stuff. And we lose touch with the actual essence of who we are. So I always tell people, and in my book, I tell people, instead of looking up, right, that's where we, when, you know, tell me, tell me about yourself. We always look up, right? It's like, we're going into our thoughts. We're going into the stories of who we are. And I've tried to teach people how to go down right? When people ask you something about who you are, go down and, and let your body start to connect with, with this person and this, this energy. And it's, it sounds so foreign because people think our bodies can't talk, but our bodies actually talk louder than our, than our minds can. Uh, it's our absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you notice, if you're in a space, if you just feel how your body is sort of, you know, pushing your energy of, you will find that 
you will push back yeah. in space. And it's amazing to me that it speaks that loudly because yeah. for me, I was so disconnected from it for so long that I never would have been aware of that. But I was amazed at when you open yourself up to it, it wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it totally does. And it's, yeah. a, it's a beautiful language and it's a beautiful relationship you can develop with your body. Uh, the sensations of your body can be very pleasurable. Um, everything enhances when you, when you develop a relationship with your body, like anything from, from love to sex to eating. All of these, these things become very, very cherished when you start to connect with them in a different way, right? And um, one of the, the, the advices that I have for people in connecting with their feminine energy is just that. Connect with the body, slow down. And that means slow down when you're brushing your teeth. Slow down when you're eating. Slow down when you're talking. Just, just allow yourself to just have a different experience with these activities that we often think we're just rushing our way through to get them over with. But when, we're, when we connect with our body, we want to enjoy the experience. We don't want to just enjoy the result of that, what that experience can bring towards us, right? That's the essence of joy. Absolutely. And, you're, and, and following your bliss. And I would add to that when you're, you know, doing these simple tasks and you tend to just kind of go out of, you know, focus on, break it down. If you're really new to this and you, you don't know, you know, how does the brush feel in your hand? How does it feel in your mouth? What does your body say? How does the toothpaste taste? Is it gross? Is it okay? Yeah. Is, yeah. You know, how does that, where does the brush move? You know, all those kinds of sensations and, and just work at, at, you know, being aware that way. And even if it's mm-hmm. just naming them, being like, oh yeah, my, I, that, I don't like when that did that, or I really do like it when, you know, that feels good back there or, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And, and it brings you into an awareness of what's going on. Yeah. 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 Your awareness is, is, um, is next level. And I, and I like that. And I, I actually want to tune it, tap into it a little bit right now, because I know that there's going to be some, some women and even some men that are going to be watching or listening to this and watching this that have struggled with sexual abuse. And I know, um, it can be extremely traumatic to have this experience. Um, how have you moved your way through that experience? Um, it's, it's been a, again, a journey. Um, I think the thing is, is that for me, it, it really came out of, you know, I, I, my reaction was always fawning. Um, and that's how I did things. And so when I was with a partner, you know, if I was doing, then I was safe because I was withdrawn from the situation. So again, this became a shutting down my body, shutting my experience off, you know, closing all that kind of stuff in. And it can be, again, really an odd situation to be intimate on any level with anybody. Mm -hmm. And this is where you, again, I had to practice, you know, like, how do I feel? Am I safe? You know, why do I feel like I need to run? Um, because you're going to have different reactions that come up uh, like all of the time. And, and I think, you know, this is one of those things where if you can color and draw or you can, you know, however you would like, you need to get it out of your body. Mm-hmm. You need to, you know, move your body because your body has stored this energy, this, all of this is just stored in your body. And, and again, how you react, you may be angry, you may need to smash things, you know, um, you may be not, uh, you may need to, you know, sit in a bathtub and watch candles and just, you know, 
have some fun. Um, you know, like realizing that your body is safe and that, you know, all of that kind of stuff, but it's about really looking at your intimacy on all levels. Um, and keep questioning, am I okay here? Do I feel okay with this? You know, has this stopped? How can I, you know, um, women can go and I meant it too, it can go either hypersexual or, or withdraw. And, you know, part of that is, is if you're, if you become hypersexual is, is that then you don't have to actually be there. You're, you're being defensive because you're taking control. You're the one that's, that's doing it. And, you know, or you just withdraw com- completely. So it's, again, it's that balance. It's finding where, you know, and having, honest conversations with your partner. Um, I've got a lot of clients where I say to them, you know, just lay together. No expectations, right? And this goes for men as well. It's having the conversations where they can feel safe, whatever that means. It may mean that they need to just be held and cry that, you know, or in the same with the woman to be able to start to put back together that sense of intimacy as and sexual contact as being a safety thing to have. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's having a, having a good partner is, is really important. Having that open dialogue is really important. Um, if you're single, um, you know, being able to be aware of your body and how it feels and, you know, all that kind of stuff and, and, and pleasuring it in different ways. It doesn't have to be a sexual thing. Mm-hmm. It's, Getting pleasure from your body. That could be a nice cream that you put on and saying to yourself, oh, that feels really nice. That feels, you know, like I really am enjoying that and, you know, that kind of stuff and, and working at it that way. So it's, it's again, you have to t- remove the mask and integrate yes. yourself back into yourself, right? And, and yes. that's a lot of work, but it's that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. The... Um so, so how, how would you say that these, these, these experiences that you've had, whether that you define them as traumatic or, or whatever, these traumatic experiences, how have they played into your I'm not good enough story? Because I want to tie this into that because this is kind of what we're, the meat of what we're talking about. Yeah, um, I think f- for me, very, very early on, um, the messages that were given to me around the abuse um, were that it was my fault. Um, that, uh, and so very quickly that shame was there and that shame is what led to, I'm not good enough because if this happened to me, then that means then I'm the one that's wrong. So I am not good enough to have air. I am not good enough to deserve to be happy. I'm not good enough to have a say or voice or you know any of that kind of stuff and it it just it takes one thing and it just spirals it out and so that's where that healing comes back in is is you know dealing with it and coming back home to yourself right and so yeah it's it's all that toxic shame and it for me it led to um just not wanting to be in my body or be on the earth, really Um, taking different routes to, you know, uh, not eating for like weeks, Um, you know, things like that. And and again, that can go into some people go to alcohol or drug use or, you know, to try to mask that. And, um, and it's that, you know, I'm not good enough to have a good life. I'm not good enough to have a partner that 
actually cares about me. I'm not good enough for an intimate relationship with quality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it relates to all of that. It's, it's to your core. Yeah. If that answers that question. Yeah, I, I, it does for sure. I want to dig into it a little bit deeper in the sense of just, I'm just trying to, to kind of feel my way through this because I think for me, the, I don't, the, I, I'm not good enough story was so deep and it was so entrenched and it became, a, it originated for me around the same thing, shame. I think shame is the precursor to the, I am not good enough story. I really do. And we all, we experience shame in so many different ways, but shame gives us the message of um, you have to hide aspects of yourself, right? And we become split. And that's kind of that opening up of the unalignment. We become misaligned to who we are. <clears throat> and I think the I'm not good enough is really an expression of that. So if we were to, if we were to share some tangible things that people can do to move, <clears throat> to move their way through that story, what would, what, would, what would we say? I'll share some of mine, but I want to hear from you first. Um, it, depending on what they focused on that they're not good enough. Um, for me, it was, I am not deserve. So I could relate it to, I am not deserving. Um, and so every time I, you know, did something that, um, I should know I should be proud of, um, every time I, you know, I, sort of, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to go and do this, or I'm going to do that. And, and taking time for me, that little voice would go. And so it was, again, it comes back to this having a dialogue with this voice that said, you don't deserve this. And saying, you know, like actively saying to yourself, I don't, why wouldn't I deserve this? I am a good person. Mm-hmm. I deserve this. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I hate that word deserve because to me, it's like, if you deserve, if you deserved this, you deserve that. Um, so I always, you know, like I'm, I'm worthy of, I'm worthy of a good life. I am worthy of these things that if I'm working towards them and doing what, you know, I should be doing as far as living a good life and, and that kind of stuff that, you know, these, I am good enough. So for me, a lot of this was my internal monologue. A lot of this was the dialogue of saying, you know, I'm good enough. I am, you know, um, and taking time for myself. I think that was something that really surprised me was, is that, you know, the very simple act, um, cause I think it started with this was literally having a candle going. And having a candle going allowed me to then say, I am worthy of this. You know, I have the light and all that. And the act of the simplicity of lighting that candle, enjoying that candle, enjoying the scent, I was worthy of that joy. Yeah, I like that. So find, yeah. So if someone can find something that's simple, and again, it's it's not a cost factor. It's not, it's, something that simply brings them joy. Um, a walk in the woods, moving their body, going on YouTube and, you know, listening to something, um, whatever brings them joy. That's where. Follow that. Follow that. Yeah. Well, and another thing I did for me was, is I used to watch TV and I would never laugh. Mm -hmm. That would be an outward expression. Yeah. Right. And once I realized that and I started to actually laugh, right? It was like, I'm worthy 
of laughing. I'm worthy of expressing myself. Yeah. I'm worthy of these things. Yeah. So if someone starts to really, if they're really struggling with this, is start slow, find something that has value to them mm. and focus on that. And just, it's that little seed and just let it grow and it will, it will grow, um, you know, and, and it can be, everybody has something that's different. Um, when my kids were little, um, it was, believe it or not, going and getting a cup of tea because I loved the smell of the, the bergamot oils yeah. and I would just hold that. And the fact I had spent the dollar fifty on the tea meant I had value in this world mm. and that's how it grew. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. <laughs> so many people are going to be impacted by this, by your sharing. I really do believe that it's so, so beautiful. Um, and I, I did say I would share a little bit about my mine as well. So I think the, um, my, mine, yours came through as I, I don't deserve mine came through as I am unlovable. And that's my, I'm not good enough stories. I felt very unlovable very unacceptable um, because of growing up being gay and really, really pushing that aspect and rejecting that aspect of myself away. And how I dealt with not feeling unlovable and unacceptable is to mask my, my, that with, uh, with perfectionism. So yes. I learned very quickly to only bring forth the desirable aspects of myself while closeting the other aspects of myself. And um, the work, the shadow work for me has been really about letting, opening up my closet and letting myself be seen. So mm. one of the best things for me is practicing healthy vulnerability. And that's just, it started out really small for me at first is where I would just, you know, write a little, a little blurb and I would share it on Facebook. And then I got into doing a little bit more deeper work where I'm just bringing forth these aspects of myself that I love and the aspects of myself that maybe I don't love and just sharing my entirety with the world. And, and um, it's, it's, it's really cool work when you do that. But one of the biggest things that I've learned in even doing that work is vulnerability isn't so much about allowing others to see you. It's about allowing you to see yourself right? Yes. See yourself, see the things in your closet and look at them and, and observe them and be aware of them and be present with them. And then you can step out and start to share that with everybody else. Because a very scary experience of vulnerability is when you don't see yourself, truly see yourself, and you're trying to let other people see you. It feels like you're betraying yourself almost, and it can feel very unaligned. And, um, so yeah, I would say playing with vulnerability has been a big part of my healing. It's a tough one. Um, mm -hmm. I, I find um, the control factor, um, you control so that you don't have to be vulnerable. Um, and, and that sort of, you know, and, and the defensive mechanisms that come up around that to yeah. keep you in that place. Exactly. Um, yeah. Your body and your brain is, is a miraculous thing. Mm -hmm. It is going to do whatever it has to do to maintain what it thinks yeah. um, you need. Um, and I, one of my, my learnings was is um, you're doing it because it's working for you on some level. Mm -hmm. Why is it working? Yeah. What's going on? And, you know, and I found that um, in relationships because I'm in the same boat in, in that, um, you know, being intimate in relationships and opening up and, you know, parts of you that you don't really like and, you know, 
kind of dealing with that and, and, you know, and how do you be in a relationship? What does that look like? And, you know, um, all those kinds of things. And, and it's fascinating when you start really breaking it down and what you did to avoid intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, <laughs> how that yeah. all you put up, you know, you, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Some right? deep shit there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, like, and starting to, so for me, starting to finally go on a date or at least actually talk to people and, you know, you're sort of like, you catch yourself. And I think it's amazing. And you're going to find this is when you get to the point where you can catch that you're doing it, it may not be in that moment, but it might be when you get home. Um, you'll be like, oh shoot, you know, and that's when you're like, okay, maybe I'm not ready. Maybe I need to keep, you know, working at it. But the fact that you could identify it, mm-hmm. um, I think it goes back to that. And this is horrible. That Dr. Phil thing that says, <laughs> if you, you have to name it to claim it, yeah. <laughs> if you, if you can name it, then at least then you're on the path exactly. of you know, accepting it. And I think being, you know, like for in my case, bisexual and, and, and that is, is there is a lot of shame around your sexuality. There is a lot of, you know, that you're not okay, that you're, you know, that you have to present as, you know, a, a for you, the hyper-masculine sort of, I'm perfect, I'm this, you can't touch me, you know, right. everything this way. And, and taking that mask down and being like, this is who I am. Yeah. I want you to love me. Yeah. Yeah. you know, that fear of rejection. Right. And, yeah. and so again, I think that, you know, it comes and I feel really strongly that the person that has the right energy for you will come into your life when they are ready. And when you are ready, yes. they are on their own journey as well. Yeah, I like that. And, and what you just said there really resonated with me because you said, um, I, you take off your mask and you say, I want you to love me. And that, I like how you phrase it as want because when you, when you show up in a relationship and you pull off your mask and you say, I need you to love me, that's a completely different experience than wanting somebody to love you. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we already love ourselves. We feel whole in who we are and we love ourselves and we offer a t- the type of love that the other person desires and, and longs for. We don't offer the type of love that's going to reflect back to us what what we need to fill and meet our, uh, in our own needs. That's, that's the mistakes right. I've made in all my past relationships. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, and I'll say to people is, is that it's, you know, this is about finding the person who compliments you. Yeah. Um, and, and that by definition, if you, if they're complimenting you, you're complimenting them. Yeah. And it's that you're mirroring what you need from each other. Here we go again. You're mirroring back to each other, what you need in that and, and, and want or desire in that relationship. Yeah. And, and that's where you have to be <clears throat> I want this. I will be okay without it. Yeah. I am a whole person, yeah. but I would really enjoy and really would want to have this connection with that person. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's okay to have needs. When I say that, when I say that, when I use the word need, I don't mean that it's not okay to have needs. Cause when we go into relationships, yeah. I think it's okay to bring in needs. It's okay to bring in boundaries. It's okay to bring in expectations to a certain degree, but the Absolutely. key is to not get attached to the outcomes of those things. Right. Because yeah. people are going to respond and move their way through the relationship that they need to meet their own needs. And sometimes that's not going to align, but it's a matter of communication, right. And bringing that forward. 
Absolutely. And you have to need for me is, is that you wouldn't be okay without something. Yeah. Um, so there are needs and, and, and that in a relationship, but that wanting to be loved, it is, that is a want yeah. wanting to be in that relationship. You don't need it. Yeah. You want it. It is, you know, it is a desire and that person, that person should mimic that back to you. If it's, if it's a good match, I right. Agree. Because they should want you as well. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. gotta find that. That's a I know, I know. <laughs> I know. I've been doing a lot of work with my guides lately and I've been kind of, you know, cultivating this because I think that I'm I'm one of my one of the biggest struggles for me in my life has been relationships and and very much so intimate relationships. And I find that I've always struggled with them and they 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 bring up so much for me and they're so intense. And I've done so much healing around them. And I think a lot of the work that I'm doing is preparing me for this this soulmate that's, that's coming. And I, you know, it's interesting. I've in, I've been in, in, in three major relationships and in each one of those relationships, I've never felt like it was right. It, it, it was right for maybe the time, but it never felt like it was right. And I always felt like there was something else that was, that was, um, that it was preparing me for. And I feel like yes. I'm at this place now where I've been single for a long time and I'm, I'm so content right now being single. It's, it's crazy. I don't even think about or fantasize about love or relationships anymore. And, um, and it almost kind of feels weird. Cause I'm like, okay, do I even, am I even a sexual human being anymore? Because I don't have these desires so strongly, <laughs> yes. but uh, what it is, is it's preparing yes. me for this, for being able to love and myself be intimate with myself and have sensuality with myself so therefore I can bring that into my relationship and have a sense of uh, separateness and, a, and my own sense of self in the relationship because I easily can lose that in a relationship. So my guides are like preparing me for this uh, yeah. real cool relationship that's coming. And I, I kind of, kind of feel like maybe in the next six, six, seven months, it's going to, it's going to enter my life. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting prepared Absolutely. for it. And uh- you have to get prepared for it. And that's, um, I had um, a very traumatic experience with the relationship where um, after five years together in a house and uh, a wedding dress in the, in the corner, um, he sent a text that it was over. And my, yeah, (laughs) my learning from that is I sat back and I said to my, I was like, Oh, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, and again, I was heartbroken. Um, But the switch from, I'm, I won't be okay without him. That went through my head like once. And yeah. then it was like, no, I, I will be okay without him. I deserve to be in a relationship um, where things are, you know, healthy and strong and wonderful. And, and very quickly I went to that, um, what is it? Uh, True love by, T- I can't say, Thich Nhat Hanh. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, yes. And yeah. Again, it was that these are the things that you do for true love. You are open. You communicate your needs. You are aware of their needs. And I think you as well is is that if we don't know what our own needs are, how can we communicate that to somebody? And how can we respect what other people's needs are when we can't respect what our or even understand what our own are, right? Exactly. Our capacity to love another is defined by our capacity to love ourselves. Right. So that's what this is all about. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and that's, yeah. And so I think that's, you know, I think relationships come into your life and out of your life and they teach you something. And if you hadn't been in those past relationships, you wouldn't be in a position now where you could say, this is what I want. Totally. 
right? And yeah. so it's yeah, so it's interesting. It's yeah, it's it's uh, it's fascinating to me the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so I have a game that I like to play with uh, with all my guests. So it's called How Much of Me Can I Be? And it's a it's I've come up with thirty one questions. And the list will continue to grow as uh, the audience can contribute to the list as well. Um, Okay. So basically, it's the practice of giving ourselves permission to be who we are um, through through the art of vulnerability. So um, you get to choose the the random question based off of the number you choose between 1 and 31. But you also get to choose the capacity and the depth of what you want to share. So, you you know, you don't have to, you know, it's all, it's all obviously how how much you want to share. But uh, so what would you say between one and 31? What question, what number? Um, 21. 21. Is there something that you've dreamt of doing for a long time? And why haven't you done it? It's funny. Um, There's a lot of things that recently in the last year that I've dreamt of doing um, and I'm doing them. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, um, I want to move to Italy and spend a year there and I want to go to the Antarctic and I'm planning my trip right now. And, you know, um, I, it is, I, this relationship ending, has allowed me the space to identify my desires, my dreams, my goals, um, and really put them into place. And I think right now I can't think of one thing that I would love to do that I'm not doing. I wanted to get my master's degree. I'm, you know, I'm going to do that. Um, I wanted to travel. I'm traveling. I've taken four trips in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that I have to say, I am living like my desires. That's there's so nothing. Yeah. There's nothing in my life right now that I want that I'm not doing, which is yeah. really odd because I spent so many years as a mom, not doing anything. And yeah. now I, I'm doing it all. Yeah. And that's why I chose to have you on this, this podcast because I can feel that. I feel people's alignment and I feel that's one of the gifts I've been giving is I can, I can feel people's energy, but mainly I can feel that in any incongruencies between who they, they present as in their energy and who they present as in, in their ego. I feel the distance between those yeah. two with people. And when somebody's aligned, yes. it just feels easy. It feels flowy. But when it, when they're not aligned, it feels like choppy. Like I'm getting this you know, back and forth energy between them. And, and, and what I want to do is I want to teach people how they can come back, you know, let, let things flow more. So it's, it's so beautiful for you. Yeah. to. Be able to yeah. I mean, it's, it's live your best life. Like just, yeah. if there's something that you want to do, you know, set the plan in motion and do it. There yeah. is nothing that, I mean, okay. I, at this point would not become a doctor or a lawyer cause it's too much time, but yeah. There's pretty much anything that I would want to do that I'm like, I'm just doing it. And no, but there's nothing that anybody can't, like anybody can do this. Mm-hmm. Anybody can, you know, find that path. And, you know, sometimes they need a coach to get them there. Sometimes they need a mentor, you yeah. know, different like that, but they can do it too. They can find that peace and that love of themselves and, you know, bring their lives into and their souls into alignment. And, yeah. Just, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I like it. Um, so, and the other cool thing I do is this is me tip of the week. So this is me is about the container of ownership, self-ownership. So we place our hands on our heart. We say, this is me. Uh, this is who I am. And I want to, I, I want, do you have a tip that you can share with the audience that they can practice this week? Um, that's going to help them develop that container of self-ownership. I, I go back to um, you need to love yourself. You need to be able to own who you are and accept who you are. And I would say that say something nice to yourself every time you go to the bathroom. Okay. I like um, that. Because it's a routine. And that doesn't mean it has to be something goofy and weird or whatever. It can be something like, you know, like I just, I'm, I'm really liking how my body's moving today. I'm, I'm, you know, it could be, I really am glad that I, you know, felt and breathed my way through and had control and everything else and didn't lose it on my boss. Yeah. Um, something they love about themselves that, you know, and just, yeah, off the top of my head, that's what I would say. That's a perfect one actually. Cause a lot can change. It takes self-awareness and it takes consistency. So to be self-aware, great. And then to go to the bathroom every time we all use the bathroom, what, three to five times a day, right? So it's like yeah. we, we can get better at being more consistent with self-love when we see ourselves in the bathroom mirror. So yes, exactly. Perfect one. Um, all right. Um, so I do want to talk a bit about your, your channels and how people can connect to you because I know people are, a lot of people are going to resonate with you and they're going to want to be able to connect with you. Um, so you can be found on Instagram. So your, your handle is you are, are you alone are enough, but it's you period alone period are period enough. Yes. And that's about the self-acceptance. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, the other thing is, is I'm on Facebook at Amanda McFadden. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and they can do that as well. Okay. I'll put those both in the show notes so people can connect to those and your, your, your picture and your, your mantra for the you alone are enough is choose to be you. Yes. I like that. What do you, what, what does that, uh, what does that mean to you? Well, I, for me, it comes down to being my authentic self and that you have, this is an active um, decision. It's not a passive one. So you have to decide to do this every day. You have to decide to be who you are and accept who you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, and keep moving forward. And that's, yeah. And I, the, you are not, you alone are enough is I used to say that to my partners mm -hmm. and when I became single this last time, I was like, wait a minute, I'm enough. Yeah. This one here is enough. I don't need, you know? Um, and so that's why I really think that it's, it's important that as a society, we know that you are enough. You don't have to do anything. Just be you and you yeah. are enough. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. We're so aligned. It's so, so cool. <laughs> Um, well, I, I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, truly from the bottom of my heart, um, for giving me an hour and the audience an hour of your time to share your wisdom with us. No problem. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's been so such much. a great conversation, so much flow, um, so much connectedness. And I feel like people are going to feel that energy and they're going to take it and they're going to 
eat it up. So I'm, I'm excited Good. about that. Um, and thank you to the audience for tuning in again. This is the fifth episode. I'm still learning. Um, I'm still learning how to bring forth my most authentic self when I'm, uh, in, in life, but in these podcasts as well, how can I, um, make them as real as possible and share bits and pieces of myself while also, um, you know, holding this, this, the space, uh, for the the guests to feel safe to share their story because you know it's not easy to be vulnerable and it's not easy, easy to share your story in the way that you did so thank you no problem thank you for having me yeah <laughs> Um, and for people, uh, please leave comments and reviews. I'm a new podcast. Um, be super super appreciative of uh, of your reviews. Subscribe on iTunes. We're on all the, the, the networks as far as podcasts. I do post these all on YouTube as well if you're more of a visual person and you like to watch them. Um, so YouTube and then uh, and the podcast. So thanks again.